Yeah, man. Yeah. Welcome to the Sight Shift Podcast Courage Sessions with the only other person I want to be making this art with, Jeff Lewis in Manhattan, but in the house. Uh Uh-huh. So when I got, I had Born to Run playing for us based on your message. This is, uh, I better stop it for copyright reasons. <laughs> right. trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my favorite jazz song. And uh, I wouldn't consider myself an aficionado, but I do have some beloved playlists. And huh. That one's just got the right notes. Nice. Um, what about for you? If you're chilling and it's a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Ooh. lo-fi, hip-hop, jazz, both. Where oh, man. You know, I'm I'm so locked in often to the order in which I like things. So I've since, I'd say, this may go back to 2010, I would use the app Shazam, which is an app you can use to record music songs in the wild, and it searches the web for them. Um, I've been in the habit of whenever I feel moved or compelled or attracted by anything I hear, Shazam it. And I, I really keep songs in order. And like anytime, like, like a song, you know, and I've been using Spotify for this. I used to be a big iTunes kid mm-hmm. when I started when I was probably, I mean, this was, I mean, middle school, people were burning CDs and charging $5 for them. I, I mean, my, my, again, like my first CDs, again, I was born 86 I think if I started getting CDs for Christmas, I want to say when I was like 12, maybe. Mm. Um, so I was big into, you know, downloading online because if I was born 86, I was 12. That gets us to 1998. So that's about like my friends were all on Napster. And then we yeah. were on Kazaa. We were on LimeWire, which is used to download single songs one at a time. And we would look up the album, download each song, put it in order, <laughs> burn it to a CD, find the album art, print it off on the, ho- on the home printer, buy those, you know, I think they were called jewel cases, like yep, yep. blank CDs. If you were really into it, you would, you would print out the track list on the back, fold it down into the rectangle. <laughs> so you got the back side of the track list, the front side with the album art, and there's your CD. Um, so you asked me. <laughs> I, I know. I just have, the thing that I that stands out to me about this because talking about music, you and I um, think about the trouble we went through to have music. Like, like would you go through that kind of trouble for a white paper on? Uh you know, mm. right. Distribution chains or, oh, wow. I mean, obviously if that had some kind of pertinence to your world, but how music is the greatest psychotechnology that's yeah. ever existed. Who said that uh, a book on rapture, Jamie wheel, he makes that point book on rapture. That sounds like a good book. <laughs> yeah. Rupture the rapture. I think rupture. I forget the title Ooh, now, Wow. but it is this idea of, uh, you know, just, yeah. How, how powerful technologies that have existed for thousands of years for us to enhance, transform, expand ourselves. One of those being music and how the opposite experience is like 
when you're taking the the communication of feelings and emotion and reality out of your life, here's what I'm thinking of. You know, uh, a chat I had before this where someone was just commenting on how, man, I wish I, I had more spaces where we talk like this, like mm. in life, right? Mm. Nobody is saying, I want to find more spaces where I use a bunch of corporate vague terms. <laughs> corporate vague terms. More corporate synergistic. Is inter- Corporate's an interesting word. I'm a big fan. And this, this is a book I bet you would really dig, as would all of your people and clients and friends and former and future colleagues. Um, the poet and Fortune 100 consultant, David White. David White, W-H-Y-T-E. You know, I'll admit I I haven't read a great number of books cover to cover. It would surprise you how few books I've read cover to cover. And I don't mind admitting my analytics and being honest on the back of my baseball card. Well, you're trying Um, not to pollute your voice, probably. Is that, is there a reason? Well, I, I think reading a book and settling into something that has been so manufactured and poured over right by by having followed a lot of writers it's like i've i've read more about writing than i have writers work because mm. i sort of have a sense of what will be there in this in a sense i mean especially like a book like an infinite jest by david foster wallace it's i know that it's there and yeah. i can crack it open every few years just it's almost like going to see a familiar painting even though i haven't read the book but I've, I've read excerpts about it, interviews around it. I also know it's been embedded in the culture. So it's, I've already read it because people I hear from, people whose tweets I've read, podcasts I've listened to, I, they've said they've read it. So in a sense, I'm getting the essence of it. I'm getting the, it's more than aroma, it's like the nectar we think yeah. about coming up as, as flowers. Um, well, that, that surfaces a confession for me that... How many books I've read to be right, to have to win, mm. to be the smartest person in the room, mm. to not be taken advantage of. I mean, mm. like, mm. Uh, in fact, this I, I love this is this is the jazz, dude. We're we're yeah. playing notes never played before. Mm. Um, this was a couple of Saturdays ago. I started something really delicious and uh I'm reading it and I'm like, there's nowhere else I'm supposed to be in the world right now rather than reading this. And, and I had that feeling big time with a book a couple of years ago and, and having that feeling again, just this insight reflection surfaced. I'm not reading this to be right. I'm not reading yeah. this to win. I'm not reading, reading this to make more money. I'm reading this because it is wonderful. It's, mm. It tastes so good. Mm. To, to learn this and and I'm not just high on the learning of it but high on the experience of what it expands in me and so that was really like something to note that is is good I guess now but you know I've read a lot for stupid reasons no and I mean it's never stupid reasons right I mean I think we're all playing the game as we name it right mm. I'm I'm very dialed into being overly vigilant. And I think everyone has some kind of like a vigilance, right? Some, I mean, I think vigilance is what we are, right? And, and that goes for American Westerners, English speakers, as well as it does any animal in the wild. I mean, very, very deep in our programming, we have to be on the lookout 
for predators. Mm. So in every situation, you're sizing things up about, do I need to be afraid of this person? What can this person do to me? Where are my exits? (laughs) And again, as white men, knowledge workers on Zoom, on a computer, playing jazz in 2021, we have no idea. (laughs) We don't have a clue what it's like to walk around having to be vigilant, right? Women know this much better from young to not so young. um, They have to be on their guard. It's been horrifying. You have daughters, so you can speak to this. Well, because I I could be five steps behind them and they not know that their dad is with them. They being the predatorial eyes. Uh And the way that I have to be like, Uh I would go to a concert downtown late at night in college and not even think about it. But I got to make sure they're with somebody and they've got things in their hands and they're walking to their cars and... Yeah, so I appreciate you making that point because it's a good reminder that, you know, my grandfather wasn't like, wait a second, is this Ethiopian beans naturally dried in the sun, hand-washed coffee? Because if it isn't, I don't want to taste it right now. <laughs> oh, that's that's the joke for me if I'm with friends and it's like, this is amazing coffee. Ooh, it's so good and all the stuff. And I'm like, if our grandfathers could see us now. <laughs> Yeah, well, they wouldn't know how to relate. They're like, it's it would be incomprehensible that like that's what a man does because it was so seemed like so straightforward for them. I mean, I feel like the people that built civilization. I don't know. Yeah, it would be you know. I and again, this goes back to not having read much. It's like, have I read the very plain accounts of what it was like to be alive during World War Two, World War One, Civil War? American Revolution, French Revolution, Russian Revolution. There were guys doing their work days, you know, chop wood, carry water. Well, whatever we would romanticize too, this is something that's striking me. Oh, not being romantic at all. No, not you. Talking about me as far as uh, the way they would, you know, yeah, not, not be adrift with what kind of coffee they're having. You know, my grandfathers, both on both sides, have really dark stuff that the generation in between me and them had to stop. Uh, and thankfully, they did. That's interesting. Yeah. That was, that's a jazz that's, note that could have been a wrong note. What are you going to do? No. With that? Well, I mean, I, it's, <laughs> I, and again, we're, we're just making a lot of tangents here. Hope. Hopefully, hopefully there's a secretary somewhere running all these asterisks and we eventually come come back home to talking about either David White or Infinite Jest or what music I play on a Saturday. Um, but no, I've been thinking about my great grandfather because my, um, I made an astrologer friend this year and um, we have had some good chats back and forth. We've had a video call. We've had a lot of like texting back and forth. She's someone I, I sing with online on this app, Smule, which I know you know that I, I do. Um, we met through that. And she showed me my, my chart. She helped me understand that I'm a Scorpio sun, Leo moon, Leo rising. So I got two lions. I know you like lions. I got two of them on the front end. Um, she told me some interesting things about what may be true about my family. So first I'll say she blew my mind that I, I had to stop listening to her messages for days. 
I still have 25 minutes of voice messages from her to listen to. I've made it through eight minutes. Mm. I was stuck on two and a half minutes for about six days because she told me that you're both, that, that you were the most intelligent, most successful, and most prosperous and promising person in your family, or you're the most dependent on your family. Mm. And I, I had to stop shut my computer lid, open the window, go for a walk, go get some dinner, walk around for hours, reach out to nine different other people about other things. Because that was a lot to hear. That, mm. that was about as much as I was able to hear right there. And knowing that there's more information waiting for me that's going to blow me apart. Because it kind of cuts to the heart of it. Who are you dependent on? What do you deserve? What do you owe people? You know, I mean, writing online, making content, being a personality for sale, being an independent contractor, creative entrepreneur. Very profound, challenging work that, you know, again, it's, it's easy to be a poet at 26. It's a different thing to be a poet at 35. Not to mention, I mean, again, you see, you see the old wrinkly greats who stuck to the game forever and ever. And, you know, they've left trails of mess in their wake. You know, the misogyny, the cheating, the alcohol, the drugs, the philandering, the not paying taxes. In a sense, you got to be daring. But, oh, man. Yeah, it, no, I got to have you take me back home, partner. I got lost out yeah, there on the no, edge. I, I, I was letting it go. And, and I'm holding on to this moment in a way that lets it unfold. But what's powerful, and this is, I, I don't, I love doing it now, even if I forgot to do it at the beginning, it's what we're doing here. For those that missed session one, my friend Jeff Lewis, who I've respected at his ability to live in the madness of what is in him and what he wants to make. You can hear more context on episode one of these Courage sessions, but this is just our chance to get together and make some music in a way that you might hear a few notes that help you feel a little better, be encouraged, make sense of something, maybe be disturbed. Maybe like you were just sharing there, there are people listening that, uh, that have pursued a reality that they thought they would love to prove how independent they are, only to feel very lonely. Uh, while others may have uh, stayed in a place of great dependence because there was something within themselves they didn't want to trust and maybe some are in a circumstance that they can't explain why and for either of those reasons. And they just need to take another step and keep moving forward. But basically you're saying astrology will help them. do. The, but I do want to ask you about this uh, because I would have dismissed this confession here. Pop psychology as a, a form in astrology, I would have said, you know, what, this is like a fortune cookie. Sure. But ever being inquisitive and wanting to grow and learn, again, I don't think I've shared this online, but one of the, she's she's actually has a doctorate, a PhD. She helped bring the Enneagram to the Midwest years ago, specifically like Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> to the, area. To, to the, it's, it's funny here, to the Midwest. It's yeah. like, oh, it's, they, they brought it from the East Coast. They they crossed the Mississippi. The, yeah. My, they, they, they forded the river with the oxen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the reason I make that comment is because Everything 
dominoes from somewhere else, right? And like it was in South America, somebody brought it to California. People from there took it places. But anyway, she's way early on it. And uh, but went to her for some sessions with some stuff that she does that is very far out there. Maybe we'll keep riffing. I'm going to hold up a work of art I got from an artist in New York recently. Just keep talking. I'm just keep. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Um, that makes me want to ask about the haiku sessions. So we're going to hit the mm-hmm. haiku sessions right after this. While I look at that piece of art and reflect on um, these sessions with her, she did uh, this comprehensive chart reading, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's mind-blowing. Now, since then, one of my daughters has like dove into the deepest understanding of it, bought books on it. And I'm like, eh, mine's not really. And then she'll blow my mind with it. That's some, I don't know where to put that in my brain. Mm-hmm. Ancient stuff, thousands of years old. Yeah. Right? Here's my thought. If something sticks around like that, there has to be something to it. Because I can't keep something that I don't believe in propped up in my life longer than a week. Mm-hmm. How does something stay around for thousands of years? Yeah, I know Nassim Talib talks about this called it the Lindy effect. L-I-N-D-Y that essentially says, correct me if you know I'm wrong, um, a thing will be around for as long as it's been around. Mm. So say Christianity has been around, give or take 2,000 years, it will be around 2,000 years longer. The New York Yankees have been around ballpark at 200. So they'll be around for 200 years because it's in the water supply. There's enough memory of it that it will be spoken about and uttered uh, by by people. Now, this gets very complicated with the computers because I oftentimes think about the history of information um, over the last, say, even thousand years. And you can kind of plot it on a chart up, 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 up of like all the things that are like getting encoded. And then you get to about like 2014 and it's just like, Big blotch of white. And it's kind of kept going like that, like a big blotch of white every probably 36 hours. Mm. And then it keeps going down. It's like, well, now in the next 36 minutes, more content will be made than was made from the year zero or negative a billion BC up until 2007. It's crazy. And that much will be made in the next hour. And it's unhinged. No one's stopping you and me for sure. God knows we're not qualified, but yet we are qualified because who else is qualified? Someone obeying a known hierarchy at big name university, big name company, big name country, got a trillion dollar war budget. Like might does not make rights at all. Um, And anyone who's got that position, it's like I could figure out within half a day and apply using this term noegenesis. Noegenesis. I'm going to send you this this tweet that I got from. I'm going to I'm going to name it. It was John Maeda, M A E D A, who I believe worked or works at the MIT Media Lab. I could be wrong about all this, but this idea Noegenesis, which is like the the making of new knowledge by kind of combining and refactoring existing knowledge and like triangulating between known things to figure out a new thing. Mm. So I, I say that to say it's like I could apply my, you know, Sun Tzu art of war slash James Carr's finite infinite games slash 
Ben Horowitz, hard thing about hard things slash, you know, we can pepper in a few other ingredients to go into, go into an org chart, go into a hierarchy, understand the strategic positioning of a certain player. And it's like, well, of course that person is going to defend their pride. And I use that both in the group of lions term and also the, the sin term pride they're going to play their hand the way that strategically makes sense. Mm. And honestly, it's jazz not worth playing. It's, mm. it's a low vibration stimulus of competition mm. and limited thinking. It's not the place to play. It's a worse place to play. It holds you down as a player, holds you down as a musician by going into that frequency because you have to figure out, well, who needs to see what? It's just a political game of conflict minimization, fear-based thinking, completely logical linear. And you, you go in and try to be as sort of like a magician or a joker or a jester or a visionary, there's no oxygen there. They say they want it. They don't know how to have it. This is uh, something my mind and heart are touches the core I have been, uh, I've had my life so greatly impacted by institutions. And yes, there are positives there, but there were enough negatives that it, I lost so much, so much that for me, the great joy is helping people transcend the institution, shaping them. So that they can either depart it or shape it or build a new one. Um, And that the point of a healthy institution (laughs) is always developing the individual to their wholeness, which makes up a healthy we. Healthy me make up a healthy we. And the minute the institution is not doing that, it is no longer in the place that it adds more than it takes. Instead, it takes more than it adds. And I love the example of like probably the purest expression of this. Uh, I think it was the Navajo Indians. I'm, I'm gonna apologies if I messed the tribe up, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the young would go do the vision quest. They'd come back from the deprivation, right? Which induces the vision, and they would tell the vision to the elders, and then the elders would act out the vision as a way of saying. We authenticate, believe in, and support your vision. Ooh, the elders act out the vision that comes from deprivation and being alone in nature. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because they're closer to the womb. I feel like children know everything. The young know everything, but they have no knowledge of their own lives. They have no knowledge. or It's just like pure, raw ambition, desire to disobey. Um. I love this Oscar Wilde quote, one of the most quotable human beings ever. He says, I'm not young enough to know everything. Mm. And it's because when you get when you're closer, you're closer to the womb. And I feel like now it could be said, you know, closer, closer to the life force. It could be that when you are about to die as well, you sort of go go back in that state of like you're very close to the the reversal process and kind of finding the end. And it's like there you start to have what sound like visions and speaking in tongues, but it's, it's cause you're in this like quantum mode of like operating in like a five or seven or nine dimensional chess game. And you're seeing all the wavelengths that are all, that are always there. They're always there, but 
yeah, it takes getting right. And again, we're only on minute 25 here. Like, how good would it be for almost any organization in the in America at least to like have a courage session like this where you get into playing jet jazz from very, very deep, very deep in the heart cavity. Like it's the best rather than staying above linear. If this, then that playing email tennis back with people appeasing executives, everyone gets bitter. You can't speak your silence. Glorified pitch deck writers. Um, the <laughs> here, here is the way that I've really resonated with this last couple of years expressing this, which by the way, I have to say, my wife reminds me, there's been a lot of studies done, I guess, that how you're, I'm mid forties, your forties are your saddest generation. You actually get happier in your fifties and sixties. And I wonder, tied into what you're saying about getting older and then getting back to that childlike, mm. you know, not that everybody does it, but mm. here's the idea. The goal for me isn't to diminish the left brain and and science will find a better way to say it the logical the linear the analytical whatever part of growing into adulthood is to bring that part to bear yeah, so yeah. that so that i am protected from being my own worst enemy however <laughs> i think the trick of adulthood is to learn to let that left brain it doesn't have to be diminished but let that right brain get one second ahead and actually lead the dance. You you told me this. Let let your heart defeat your mind. You've told me this exact thing. You told me that six or nine months ago, and I needed to hear it, and it stuck with me for days. Clearly, it stuck. Because here it is, popping up. Boom. Uh, and that is like, okay, so the vulnerability, the feeling to express something, to confess something, mm. to <laughs> own something, to be honest. Here's a shitty reason I read a bunch of books, you know, uh, no cursing. Whatever. Watch out. You have one curse word every episode. That's doctor. right. It's cashed in now. And <laughs> that's awesome. And and yeah, but I, on the other side of things, my kids did tell me, this is funny, going back to the music. Where else is this going to fit? Nowhere. Um, occasionally you have these moments as a family where it's like, what's one thing you're thankful for? And my kids will say to me, I'm thankful for dad's taste in music. Because they got exposed. And I'm like, wow. What can we say with that? That's as good um, as it gets. That's yeah, so it's like that's the high water mark. I but what I see so often is people th- we we think we're gonna analyze our way into wholeness. <laughs> worry our way into freedom. We know <laughs> in therapy, we know you're not gonna worry your way into freedom. We do not know. In work and in business, you are not going to analyze your way into wholeness. <laughs> That's so funny. No, well, it makes it just makes me think about being. I've I've, I've used this term lately, being overeducated. Mm. Again, I'll say Oscar Wilde said that you can't be overdressed or overeducated, which I think is is a good way. But I think we we think so much, and for better and for worse all the guys like you and I have left in our lives is a 14 hour day of thinking about things and either writing it down or not writing, not writing it down. Yeah. Because we sort of live by our digital foot step and, 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 and footprint. Cause it's easy to scale any brain cycle you have any thought. Um, that, I mean, eventually, 
Go, go ahead. Well, I say that that is that is striking all the time for people. I think re- receiving it and noticing it and capturing it is a part of a flow that is uh, is so rare. Very few people just they're not receiving it, even if you're capturing it. But there is no being creative or not creative. We're all creative. We're just not receiving that signal and then we're not capturing it, whatever it is, you know? Um, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, you talk about the books that you haven't read. However, <laughs> 10 minutes ago, you just listed through book, 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 book. <laughs> you, uh, more than anyone else I know, have this comprehensive grasp of of this world of inspiration and ideas and creativity. And, you know, if uh, you're like a living brain pickings mm. uh if you're familiar with that she's site amazing. which i think we've messaged Maria about Popova. It. she she's she is so brilliant i i've seen her speak twice in real life in san francisco at this lecture hall the lecture hall it was called the norse theater it's now the sydney goldstein theater the lecture series which is annual it's called city arts and lectures it's generally two people one interviewer one interviewee i think she was the interviewer either twice or one time she was the interviewee. Man, she is so, so bright. Mm. She's almost, I think she's to me what I probably am for other people, which is just like so almost intolerably and offensively encyclopedic, scintillating, always doing one plus one equals three. It's like you just keep going up and up and up and up and building. It's like, it's like, ugh, you're like so good at your job and you're so elegant and you're so cute. Hi, Maria. Um, and it's just like, I almost kind of get like sick of it, but, it, but it's only because, and this is an, an interesting thing about, about feedback and how you can think about feedback like a sonic event where, you know, like, like have you ever seen it where the speaker and the microphone get too close to get it's almost like it's almost like the two things are so similar sort of what you were saying about why i can't read so many books it's because it's like i see that they're doing it and it's like that's the thing i need to do and i need to go do it because it's like yeah (laughs) yeah i also wrote down a few years ago it's like to hear jazz is to remember you're not playing it And it's like, well, if I hear others doing it, it's not out. Of, it's not out of jealousy. It's not out of fear. It's not out of um, scarcity. But it's like, it's not my like. I've I've consumed enough for now, and I need to leave, and I need to get back to the works. Like like like. So eventually, like Maria's here. I'm here. I need to go off and come up and meet her and meet here. Yeah. So I, because I'm supposed to be a peer. And I can't yeah. sit there and get drunk on the supply of consuming, right? I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like MJ or Kobe or LeBron watching too much tape. It's like eventually you've watched enough tape so that you can go back to the court and practice and study. I love that analogy. Twitter, for, tw- for me, Twitter can be watching too much tape very quickly. Like, you know, everything with COVID and stuff, I was like trying to just mm-hmm. follow what was happening. For the first time in my life, I got in this habit of like, being on Twitter for a long time 
in the morning. I mean, it would be like 5 a.m. You know, this was in sure. the throes of the crazy. And uh, and I felt this visceral feeling, Jeff, of like these people's consciousness is invading <laughs> and crowding mine uh-huh, out. Uh-huh. It's not drawing it out. Um, crowding versus draw. I like that. And and I, you know, there are people that at different times I can't listen to because <laughs> honesty of like, I'm your peer and I can't let what you're doing get in my head or heart uh, in a way that takes me off where I want to be in my voice. Um, so yeah, I, I totally track with what you're saying, but I do think there is not in a scarcity way of saying it, but people that are maybe comparing themselves to others right now, um, very few of the people you would compare yourself to or feel diminished by will still be in the game a year, two years, three years from now. Um, yeah. I, I, I did a thing called dream year in 2007. I think there was like 30 people in the cohort. Uh, after like two years, three years, the number of people that were still working on their dream, maybe one yeah. now, I don't, maybe that one still is other than like, I'm still here. It's like this or die. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so, yeah, go find, go find that consciousness, go find that voice, however you want to word it. Uh, and if, if something you're listening to crowds out yours, even if it's beautiful and amazing, you know, which you've sent me some stuff that I've said before. Yeah. Like, Oh, I can't listen to that. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, cause you have to stop waiting. You have to stop waiting for someone to come and let you out or honor you. You have to honor others, right? You really, have, I've learned you have to become the reader for others that you want for yourself. If I want people to click the link in my bio and look freshly at the six or seven things I've got there and then click one and dive into it, it's like, I need to be doing that for others. I need to be the reader I want for others. And when I start doing that, I start getting, I start getting it. And then I'm ready for it. Whereas a lot of people, I mean, you know, I'm sure when I was 25, if you asked me, it's like, I want hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people to read my posts. I think they're so sacred. They come from the heart. I'm the only person who's writing from the heart like I am. (laughs) Everybody does. I feel like for me to do what I do and take care of a family on it, relatively speaking i'm proof or testament of it doesn't even have to be a thousand true fans yeah. it can be a hundred i like the, uh, your number from last time 50 to 75 truly stuck with me and that's become my new standard honestly yeah. that's the yeah. new standard um and then it's like any then i'm to the point where it's like <laughs> kind of like jesus and we're not going to lose any readers here any listeners it's like you can do your ministry everywhere. Anytime you're walking on the street and you can do your work because you don't need any more. But if people want to play ball, there's a place for them to go. Whether you hand them a business card, they get talking, they follow you on Instagram or on Twitter, you know? And it's like, this is the same, like this is the same source code that like the growth hackers and email marketers use. Like set up your funnels, set up your front, you know, like your splash pages. I hate that stuff. 
you know, I hate that stuff. But the tactics are, it's a, it's a useful framework to think about how you invite people into the work you can't stop doing, which yeah. I would maybe call, feel free to, to correct it. It's like sharing your soul with the world. Yeah. It, you know, I, I, ha- I too have hated those things at different points. <sighs> and uh, I wonder sometimes if I hate more the tone or the tool. And I think so much of the tone is a bro dude approach. And I hate to throw us all under the bus that way. Sure. No, 100%. Uh, but that um, that for me stands out big time. And, and I have, I think, to a fault, avoided the tool uh, and, and, and used them at different points to stay so far away from that tone. And I'm so glad I have. As I introduce more of the tools... I can do it better now. I mean, one of the things that I admired about your work years ago, I mean, I'm, I'm going back. I mean, I may be going back to even before 2015 now is how you use voice, how you use presence and just like the content and tone of your message. It's, it's playing the game in a different way, playing it in a way I'd never seen it be played being um, kind being being both like you you come out with like a first line that's like i didn't expect anyone to say that because it's both like it's both sales and marketing and products but it's also like my product is curiosity and i'm not saying it i'm i'm doing it i'm showing it me writing and showing up here with my face and my words and my best attempt at collecting my writings and my thoughts. It's not for my glory. It's because I have this problem that goes so deep and it's such a forever problem. And it's like, if I keep listening to what my problem is, I will arrive out of voice and a way of saying it. That is just what you are underneath. And then we'll meet. It's not about sales. It's not about conniving. It's not about trying to pull a fast one. It's not about trying to, to get you. It, it's almost like, you're fishing with a tuning fork rather than a fish hook. You're just, I'm just like, I'm just going to be the vibration and I'm going to let that attract you. And I'm like, if I need to vibrate until I become a freaking planet and I somehow get my gravitation spinning enough such that things come to me, I'm not going to use a fish hook. I'm not going to do it because I probably can't do it because then you, you have this view of, I see myself as a fisherman and I look around and I hate fishermen. Mm. It's terrible what they're doing. There's a better way to catch fish. It takes a long time. You might not eat today. You might not eat for three or four days. But if you just keep trusting in physics, gravitation, attraction, connectivity, if you become the vibration, things will come and then you'll be ready for it. Yeah. Because a lot of people who, who fish and get a lot, they're not ready for it. A lot of people who get fame young, they don't know how to deal with, you know, Romantic partners, drugs, money. You see people just drown in way too much being a rock star. Yeah. I was nowhere, I was nowhere near a rock star level at all. But to have a, <sighs> to literally have a dream home that I could send my college, my kids to college from 15 years ago, uh, and, and to have all this stuff that like I wanted, well, you know, wanted material advancement, wanted, 
a big room to speak to where the seating capacity would equal my worth. Uh, again, not that I thought about it that crass at the time, but that is the crassness with which the ego or the insecure identity was driving me. Um, and then to have all that and to to sit on this, I still remember this as part of my big story, but to sit on the deck of this house, wrap around tree, kids playing on a water slide and think, I thought this would feel better. Huh. You know, I mean, I can see how people lose themselves and all that. And and then to go, and I wish I woke up in the success. I had to wake up in the loss. And I don't feel like it's a moral superiority in any way of like this. I'm, I'm just glad for how I've done it and how I'm doing it, even if I do it different tomorrow than I've done it up to this point. Um, and And a guiding value there has been, I'd rather borrow money from a friend than build this in a way that I don't want to. Yeah. Now there have been times where I've done things and I've been like, I wish that wouldn't have gone out that way, you know, uh, because I can be off in this experimental place and, and people are helping and they're doing better than I would. But occasionally I didn't look at something close enough or got caught up in the, the zest of it. And, and it, it had a less than true feeling of realness, uh, which how can we have a courage session without honoring our great patron, St. Bill Murray. Um, mm -hmm. A quote from him is coming to mind and I actually happened to have it in front of me from earlier. The secret is to have a sense of yourself, your real self, your unique self. Like that's what he said the secret is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that tuning fork. How can I, hmm. how can I strike that tune? You know, and dude, that, I mean, that's why this idea popped in my head. It's why we're doing it now because you are walking around on the face of the earth, striking your tuning fork. Right, right. And doing like, listen to this. Here it is. Listen to Here this. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's something that I think, however it all plays out for us, there's, there's so much beauty and truth in those words that you're sharing. Just keep doing it, man. However, that works. Yeah, and I mean, it's more than beauty. And, it's more than beauty and truth. I mean, it's battle orders. It's like, well, there's not mm. right. And and here's where we get back to being not unlike our grandfathers. It's like, well, we know what to do. So go, go plow the North Forty. Go, go, go make this stone wall. Like, yeah. I mean, now I like thinking about the idea of enemies and and wars. Um, you know, and it goes back to an idea from, from James P. Cars, finite and infinite games. He says that war is less necessary. Like, it's not really about the enemy to be conquered, but people need a war for self-identification. They need a war because they, in order to make meaning of what they are doing and what it will be like when we get there, wherever there is. Of course, the mistake is thinking that there's a there that's not just another version of here just like you experienced in the raw. You got the dream house, kids are doing the water slide. You're out there, you know, barbecuing chicken and burgers. You've got nice married couple friends over with their kids. It looks like the dream. And your wife may even put it on Instagram and it may go for 184 likes. Not a bad day at the office. Um, and yet there you are being an administrator of your perfect prison. And of course, there's a lot of good things in there. And I'm 
I'm, I'm not an advocate of blowing up your life. Um, talk to me 10 years ago, you'd get a different answer. Um, but for now, you know, I'm not a, you know, burn it all down kind of guy anymore. Cause it doesn't really help to go blow up buildings. It doesn't help to go tear things down because <laughs> anybody can go tear down a barn. Yeah. That in itself is an, is an attachment to a destination rather than a, than a journey. Dude, I think about this a lot because of Nietzsche's camel lion child. It's the burn it down is to think that to leave the camel and be at the lion is the the finish point. And his articulation is so powerful because we're becoming the child. We're leaving the lion. So I think about that like the sight shift. Like I don't want to build a movement of lions who are aggressively right. shucking off more than they're willfully in wonder and awe picking something up out of joy. That's I'm gonna, mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm I want to ask you a question. Go ahead. I want to play play a little something from my backlist. Jean Paul Sartre and Simone de Beauvoir, a a famous French couple. Sartre was an existentialist. Beauvoir wa was uh, certainly a, a a woman of letters. I mean, one of the most to me admirable female artists of all time because of how she sort of arrived at like the same like masculinity that I have of like, I have my orders from a higher calling and I don't care what anyone thinks about me. I have to get these words down, write these books and write these words down in order. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to write about the things that matter to me and, you know, baffle me and disturb me and make me on fire from the inside. I don't care that I'm a woman. I don't care that you think a woman should be a certain way, right? Now I can notice I'm speaking as my mother here. I do think in a way men are the administrators of their mother's unlived lives. I sometimes feel like I am an administrator of my mother's shadows. Yeah, that's an episode. That's a book. Um, anyway, Sartre and Beauvoir, both very productive writers. They were lovers and they were... And they were co co-workers in a big way, just like Henry Miller and Anais Nin. Another kind of call it a, a literary power couple is not quite right. We could go down the Ted Hughes and Sylvia Plath road as well. They're all kind of different. Um, anyway, I think Simone de Beauvoir has this line about like there's nothing like like she's talking about men's anxiety, and it's like the aggressive man. Here's what it was about. It was about a man's aggression is really about his anxiety about his virility. Mm. And I thought about that when you mentioned, you know, making a, a pride of lions again, mm -hmm. to use that, that line. It's like, you don't want to go have, a, have, you know, 50 to 75 lions out there posting on LinkedIn, making splash pages, going for marketing, want to go on this stage and this stage more. It's like, Oh man, please just go. Just don't just mute, just unsubscribe. Yeah. Just unfollow, just block. I don't want, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because it all comes from a place of what if I don't? That's really what I look for in every social media post. And every person on the street, certainly every person in an institution, certainly every person who I know can think and talk like this, it's like what you are doing and what you have to do, especially if you know people run on their Google calendar. I'm so busy, it's such a busy week. I have so many things. It's like, you're doing those things because you're afraid of the opposite. 
You do them and you stress about them because you're afraid of what happens if you do not. Oh. I mean, people, people might be afraid of becoming someone they don't recognize. Yeah. But that's what an artist has to do. You continually surrender what you think you're supposed to be so that you can become what you are and keep becoming weird and stay weird. When they say stay weird, it's like stay ungovernable, stay uncontainable, dare to go off your calendar, learn how to back up and apologize, learn how to say, you know what? I'm stoked for this meeting. I really, it would be best to reschedule. I'm on fire with this thing. It makes me a better X for us later. I can try. If you really want to stick to right now, I can try and I'll try it because I said I would. But, and it's like the, the world, the life for you that exists on the other side of but and letting them say, you know what? I felt the same way. And this other thing is like, boom, there's a lifetime of trust connection just because you dared to say what you actually thought. Yeah. And isn't that a way better timeline to live in than living by, bo- by box by box? Well, yeah, <laughs> pretending, pretending is exhausting. And the reality of that gives energy more than it takes. I, I will say that I think there, there's an endemic plague of overscheduling because it's just easier to do that than to face emptiness, which makes me think of Stephen Pressfield, Pressfield's War of Art, where he talks about Hitler would rather go to war than face a blank canvas. Um, yes. And, and, you know, now I will allow the appearance of busyness to be there to protect, right? Um, it's harder to hit a moving target. <laughs> Uh, so the idea being, I love the times I've sequestered in my schedule to work on what I am coming alive in. Um, what? Here's a question. I, who else can I ask this question to? So I want to be really selfish with it. And, and I know the self-actualized answer. It's me. But I want the Jeff Lewis that walks the streets and looks at it in the shallowest way possible. Uh, who is my enemy? Now, I know at the core, I'm who's my own your, worst enemy. Who's yes. your enemy? Who's, or, or if you think about it as sight shift or anything like that. Because, uh, yeah, just curious. This is the jazz sessions. We can ask those weird questions. So you're asking me as my street walking self. So that's the, yeah. the street poet as opposed to the comfortable poet. The street poet taking pictures, recognizing Uh the base level of reality for what it is. Who is your enemy? Wow. Um, I mean, it's whoever you're afraid to fail in front of. It's whoever you are performing for, who you've... um, You've incorporated, and again, I use this word corporate that the poet, the poet David White says it comes from Latin, corpus, the body. Funny, another thing Sartre said to Simone de Beauvoir was, I'm, I'm, I'm turning my love for you inward and making it a component part of myself. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you in my heart and you're there. Fun, fun to think about our, our heart as a pie chart that you then like divide up sort of like a hard drive gets partitioned 
And you can, of course, you know, defragment the drive, which we all have to do mm-hmm. sometimes. I did that on social media with who I'm following, kind of defragmented and kind of like dearranged, deconstructed my whole sense of inputs. Defrag. And I learned that. What makes you gag? Sorry, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly jarring to uh, be used to consuming X number of hours of social media or information, whether it's an inbox or a meeting or what. And you just like clean the pipe out fully, clean the pipe out fully. And then it's like, sit there and let the nothingness hit you. It's like, Ooh, man, that's fresh. Ooh, that's a, that's a fresh air. And it's like, you get so much information in six seconds, 12 seconds, 18 seconds, 24 seconds. And it's just like, Oh man, it can be that smooth. And and that, that wide then you start to see, oh, here's how I can use a canvas. You know, you start to be a, a sound designer musician. You know, here's how I can, here's how I can like, you know, decorate this stretch of time. Frank Zappa talks about guitar solos being like a, a stretch of time you get to decorate, which I think is a really cool thing. And it's like, like, that's what we all do, right? We've got our hour here. We are decorating this flow of time. Um, yeah, yeah. Somebody is letting somebody else know I am mad at how you have blocked me. Uh, if it didn't fit so well as a metaphor, I don't know what uh-huh. would. Uh, this is that, that your answer to my question is going to give me a lot to think about in a beautiful way. So thank you because um, I'm, you know, I feel like a stranger in a strange land because I don't fit in the camp that is all about a mindful approach to life. I just want to observe consciousness. I don't fit in the camp that's all about mindset. I have to like hype myself to the reality I wish were true. Um, I want to sit in the crap of it all, pick it apart, explore it, and emerge. It's the it's the it's the crucifixion resurrection. It's the observe the consciousness separate from it and step into it and participate in it. It's a both and reality. Well, yeah. And you're rejecting yourself. And as your friend and colleague, I'm not going to let that happen on my watch. You are rejecting yourself from mindfulness, which I would say you are mindful. I mean, I would say mind, heart, and soul. You're about heartfulness and soulfulness, which are words I don't hear much. I don't hear much about the heartfulness movement or a heartfulness centered entrepreneur or speaker or writer or whatever the hell. Mm. Um, you do mind, heart, and soul a lot. It's easy to do mind. And I know who you're talking about because I've seen those guys. I've heard their interviews. I've met some of them in the digital streets. And they don't see in my writing and speaking what is really there. Mm. They can see 10%. Now, granted, they see it in an like in a different way. And the the market is wide enough. The world is wide enough for all of us, for insiders and outsiders alike. Who, you know, and it's like no two people's Venn diagrams are disconnected. Every every two living people, no matter how tight you gotta get to see it, it's there. It's there. We all we all have a mother. We all have a father. We all have a family. We all need water. We can just start with this is water. Do you need water? I need water. And all of a sudden, you can't be enemies when you're all that's left. If it's two, if there's a you know Union and Confederate soldier, both with legs blown off, sit, like sitting by the side of the river, both it's like, well, I'm not gonna kill you, and you're not gonna kill me because we both we're not getting out of here 
alive unless we understand each other and figure out, well, how do we transcend our uniforms? In a sense, uniforms are meant to be taken off. Hmm. Might as well smoke a cigarette together. That's, that's what I pictured next in that scene because uh-huh. it's the acceptance of the deeper humanity. And uh, yeah, so I am, I am drawing in the words you're saying. And these are words that do not crowd out my consciousness, yeah. but open it up. So thank you. The Courage Sessions number two, we had a blast. For anybody that was here observing as we made music, it was as much a treat for me to be in this space as hopefully them that uh, they that are listening. Um, dude, what a gift, man. Thank you for being here and looking forward to next time. Absolutely. Me too. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. I mean, anything I have said here today is a conversation and a thread. I'm happy to keep pulling and riffing and kind of learn learn where you come from. Um, I'm happy to share more about where I come from. I, I often tell people that I'm an open book, poorly edited. Um, so I'm happy to share and and read and listen. It's, yeah, my 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 channel is open and i'm going to be here for the rest of my working days living days so gp lewis on social jeffrey p lewis linkedin yeah. and uh for those that are out there and want to connect he means it and it'll be the most delicious food you <laughs> dine on if you are gracious uh if you are graced with getting dms uh and so i encourage everybody to do that uh on my end creatively right now uh, what always feels like the most pressing thing is what's the newest uh and spark eyes the book is out there sparkeyesthebook.com wrote with my daughter living everything we're talking about today but uh dude what a treat have fun and uh oh. we'll see each other soon peace brother okay. peace bye man <laughs>